It is the first official practice of baseball season. Kind of, I don't want to jinx it, but it's our first normal spring training down here. Welcome to the Braves Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, the podcast that takes you inside the clubhouse and gives you the stories behind the score. I'm Jay Black with our AJC Braves beat reporter, Justin Toscano, coming to us from House AJC, uh, the venue we've rented for the uh, next six weeks here as we get ready for spring training. And, uh, Justin, we got a lot to talk about on the first day of school. Yeah, there's a ton. You've got the report dates. You've got a new play-by-play voice. You've got rule changes. We've got everybody showing up. We've got a lot of position players showing up, BP, pitchers throwing sides, all that stuff. And uh, I think we're going to try to get this thing, uh, you know, get it all within an hour. So let's roll. Yep, it's a special edition here of the Braves Report podcast uh, after the first Pitchers and catchers work out of the season. So coming up, we'll uh, talk about what we saw on day one of those workouts. Also, you know what Sean Murphy thinks of his new pitchers. Why Ian Anderson had to go to Wake Forest to beat Buff for the rotation battle. And we'll introduce you to the new TV voice of the Atlanta Braves. If this is your first time listening to us, welcome aboard. And make sure you please follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. This is the Braves Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean Breeze. Tropical Beach, Pina Colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or, better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. All right, let's begin with manager Brian Snicker. How'd it go on day one? Kind of, I don't want to jinx it, but it's like our first normal spring training down here. So it's, you know, it's good to see all the guys that are here. Um, we got almost our whole club is there. The whole spring training roster is here. And uh, it's just good. I said my biggest thing the first day is just to get out there and get it over. It is kind of hard to believe that, you know, this is the first on time, on schedule, hopefully not disrupted by a global pandemic. Uh, spring training at the Braves' new facility at uh, Cool Today Field. You're gonna jinx us like that? Two, a few days in, I've only been here for le- I've been here less than a week, and you're already jinxing us. No, I know it is. It is nuts uh, to think about that. And the facility, Jay, actually looks pretty good to the point where you know I'd forgotten there was a hurricane here because you would expect it to look a lot worse. Uh, but they did a really good job given the 10 million in damages that that place suffered during Hurricane Ian about four or five months ago. Um, facility looks nice. The sun's always out. The grass is green. The pops of the mitts, the cracks of the bats. Um, it's, you know, it's it's good. And don't jinx us, but I hope we can see this one through. Uh, indeed. And, you know, first full squad workout is not until the 21st, but uh, that has not stopped most of the players from coming down early. That's why we built this place. And so those guys have this to, you know, to come early and, and continue their workouts and, and get settled in and, you know, go play golf and go to the beach or spend time with their families. Because when they get started, I mean, when we tip this thing off the end of March, you know, it's game on for seven months. So um, I, I love the fact that these guys are coming down and using this great facility. I mean, I'd say that's you want them to do that and, and uh, to come early to have this. And I'd say that's why we build it. So who is it there at this point? Man, I'm trying to think. Um, I have not seen Marcelo Zuna. I'm trying to think. I think you've got, man, let's just roll through it. Sean Murphy, Travis Darnot, Matt Olson, Ozzie Albies, uh, Vaughn Grissom. I saw him for the first time today. Austin Riley, 
Eddie Rosario, Ronald Acuna, Michael Harris. You've got Kevin Pillar, um, Sam Hilliard, Eli White. I uh, haven't seen Jordan Luplo, though. It's possible I could have just missed him because I've never covered him. Don't know his face super well. You've got a lot of these position guys here, um, especially from you know the big league club. Um, and so these guys got here early, and you have to think it's a good thing because even though the full, first full squad workout isn't until next week, these guys are already starting to you know get some BP in. The catchers are doing some work, and that's all while the pitchers are doing their thing. And, you know, it's only going to make it a little more fluid until the Grapefruit League slate starts on the 25th. So what was it like uh, for the pitchers on this first workout? What did they get accomplished? Yeah, a lot of it's just sticking to the routine sides. Uh, so today it was for the first time. I mean, they were out there in their jerseys, uh, the ones working out um, or throwing. It's more organized, but it, you really they're sticking to the same schedule. They're throwing. They're on their own rotations. Um, if you threw yesterday, you toss today um do your arm care all that stuff you know like nick anderson threw a couple days ago joe menes is throwing sides um so there's not a ton of pomp and circumstance and like snit said you just kind of you know you want to get it over with want to get things rolling um and so far it seems so good but it doesn't sound like it's going to be too hard to find a pitch clock around there. We got those, and I think it's the more they can experience that. You know, some of them are you, you, the minor league guys have been through it, but we're just in there talking today with the minor league guys that have been have experienced it. You know, I did. Um, I don't know if it was the last year I was in AAA before I came here, uh, but that's been a long time ago. And, and um, so it's just kind of good to get their take on it, things they've seen and, and developed over the years of the guys doing it and, and we're going to give them expose them to it as much as we can so did anything seem different with the pitch clock in front of and or behind people on uh, day one no i mean guys you know we'll have to make a little bit of that tweak a little bit of that adjustment and just speed up a tad um and one of the things is going to be kind of the motions and how they gather they're going to be a, you know some guys are going to have to be a little quicker with that, but nothing too different. You can see them behind the fences. Uh, so it's called the 10 pack, which is, you know, or eight pack, whatever you want to call it. Uh, the bullpen mounds lined up against each other. Um, and the signs are behind that fence, which is behind the catcher. So the pitchers can see them. Um, nothing too different, but obviously still trying, you know, just trying to get used to the adjustment of it from day one. No, so let's, let's put the 10 pack, eight pack. That means that's 10 bullpen mounds lined up all across each other yeah and i think there it's an eight pack i'm trying to think anyways it would be yes it would be 10 or eight bullpen mounds whatever it is 10 pack six pack eight pack whatever that many number of bullpen mounds lined up all along each other so this is jay i mean this is the quintessential spring training shot this is what you see on the 10 p.m news the 6 p.m news uh when you see you know your local tv station getting b-roll from spring training this is what you're seeing. You know, you're seeing Joe Jimenez fire on one side and Ian Anderson right next to him and, you know, maybe Kyle Wright to the nearest end and all that stuff, and they're all kind of firing at the same time. Obviously, not all 10 of them are in use at one time, um, but that's the idea is that there are enough bullpen mounds where anybody, you know, can get some work in. Speaking of Joe Jimenez, anything to worry about there? Doesn't seem like it. Snit seemed, seemed to think he was okay. Uh, so... Reading up on actually what the Tigers reporters reported when he was in Detroit last year, they put him for right lumbar back strain, I think. They put him on the IL kind of to end the season. 
Um, and it didn't seem like he would need surgery, but he ended up having a procedure over the offseason. Before the trade, of course, there's medical review and all these trades, so the Braves knew about it when they traded for him. But Snick kind of brushed it off today. Doesn't seem like anything serious. Should be ready for opening day. Obviously, you know, it's it's like rolling dice when we predict injury stuff. Like, we don't know. We talk about it on this podcast, but who knows? But it doesn't seem like there's any concern there. Like, it seems like he's, I mean, he's throwing bullpen sessions, uh, working out. You know, we saw him on the bike the other day doing all that stuff. So it seems like he's, he's a full go. While we're rolling dice, um, this is probably the most pointless spring 20 training question, and maybe the most pointless question in baseball, but it must be asked uh, in February. Who stood out to you on day one? Ooh, I'm going to pick, man, yesterday I saw Michael Harris taking BP, and that guy was, uh, he didn't look like a super big kid when you're right next to him compared to some professional athletes, but he was, he can sting the ball. Uh, and he was, I mean, he is a physical force. Um, uh, it's going to be real fun to watch him. Ron Lacuna too has gotten noticeably, uh, bigger in a good way, you know, broader shoulders. Snitz mentioned that, um, but yeah, it's, it's always tough to tell day one. Right. But a couple of the guys taking BP, uh, the lineup is in good shape. So do we put uh, Acuna and Harris in the, um, proverbial spring training uh best shape of their life category or is, is that for somebody else uh no i think i think they've got to be you know the first two in the category but right now the spring training best shape of your life team has about let's see what it's 64 members so the, the whole 40 man <laughs> right and i think there were 24 nris this year so so that team is for you know 60 a 64 man team for the best shape of my life uh team at the start of spring it's always funny, right? Because everyone always gets here and you like to settle in, like Snip mentioned, uh, get these guys here a little early, <laughs> do whatever they want after, play golf, go, you know, go to the beach, go with their families. Um, I've always said that, and maybe this is from a beat reporter's perspective, just a little look for everybody inside the industry. The best days of spring training are the two weeks before the game start. Because you show up, you get to talk to the guy, you know, you're in the clubhouse, you watch the workout, you do your work, and you're done by two. And it's still hard work. You know, maybe you're done by today. I was done by 430, whatever. Sometimes you're done by five. There's always stuff to cover. It's a lot of work, but it's always weird because you live these normal, almost normal days. You're waking up at six or seven, going to the ballpark, and you're almost on. It's the only month that you're ever on everybody else's schedule in terms of like almost like a nine to five. And it it feels really weird. Like we never get to experience this because come April, it'll be 720 again. Are you in the best shape of your life? Of course. I mean, I couldn't. I couldn't show All up right. without being in the best shape of my life, man. That's the. Uh, well, don't worry. Wait till I get I'm down excited. there. Oh man! All right. Well, I guess I'll have to, you know, take off here and run a few miles and then do some push-ups. I always, man, I'm excited for baseball season. But I will say, it was nice eating well, sleeping whenever I wanted, and working out when I knew I wouldn't be impeded by any breaking news or any happenings with the team. Baseball season's here. It's all good and well. We're excited, but uh, of course I'm in the best shape of my life, man. I've had four months to craft it. boy. And apparently you've been spending a lot of time on the uh, the trails and the uh, the hikes around most of North Georgia, so uh, you should be ready to go. Yeah, no, I've, I always do Stone Mountain. That one's always fun on a Saturday morning. I did Arabia Mountain... 
man, I was in my apartment gym, you know, every, almost every day. Uh, that's sneaky, Georgia, sneaky, good hiking state. Very sneaky, good hiking state. Everybody talks about the Californias and the Arizonas and the Floridas, but Georgia is a very, very sneaky, good hiking state. Uh, let's. Uh, all right, we'll, we'll get it back on track now. Sorry, everybody who uh, didn't come to the pod. We'll, we'll do uh, the top ten hiking podcast uh, coming up later on this year. But um, Sean Murphy, <laughs> is he the busiest? Is he the busiest yep. guy in the building at this point? Gotta be, man. I so I. It was funny because I asked him. I talked to him the other day, and by the way, he was the last player out for voluntary workouts. He was the last player still working out. I mean, out of his workout and back into the clubhouse. He was the last one out there, and he was with Sal Fasano, the catching coach, um, and a couple others. And I asked him after we were talking, I go, how do you keep yourself from getting overwhelmed, man? I mean, it just seems like so much because he's telling me he's got to, you know, learn the pitchers and their pitch shapes and how they like to work and get to know them as people. And I'm like, and work on his own craft. And so I'm like, man, how do you keep from getting overwhelmed yourself? And he looked at me and just started kind of chuckling and laughed a little bit. He's like, I mean, I think it's going to happen, right? And so, I mean, he is, he's got, <laughs> he's doing double duty right now, trying to learn everybody, the pitcher, you know, the pitching side and the teammate side of things. Um, catcher's involved in all of it. It's such an important position, especially for the Braves. He has his work cut out for him. Uh, and the trivia question, if you want to get super niche, Jay, in one of these podcasts in about 15 years for you, me, or, you know, the people doing this, who for who the first pitcher Sean Murphy ever caught was for the Braves? Charlie Morton. That that seems on brand. If I'm going to start to yeah, learn exactly. the Braves, the Braves staff, start with Charlie. Yeah, yeah, one of, you know, the old souls, literally and figuratively, Charlie, 21st spring training uh, overall um, this year. I mean, two decades. I mean, he's, he's lasted so long. He ages like a fine wine, and he's he's back in there, and he's the same old Charlie. But, yeah, no, I, Sean Murphy's got a lot of work to do, and uh, Braves fans will actually love this guy because he he doesn't care about the offense. He works on it. And he tries to take that stuff into the game, obviously, and wants to produce and wants to impact the lineup. But like for him, his mood doesn't rest on whether he gets out or not. Like he he's there for defense. And and I think Braves fans will love that because he's gonna be maybe a bit of a different kind of, you know, backstop than they've had in the last few years. Well, you talked to him about that when you caught up to him earlier in the week, and, and I thought it was kind of a fascinating look inside the mind of a catcher, how he's going to get used to his new staff. What's kind of the process like of learning these guys now that, that you're here, the pitchers? Like, what have you been doing the last couple days, last week, last two weeks? Uh, I was talking with Sal, Ricky, Rick today. Um, I caught Charlie's, you know, touch and feel. Okay. He threw, so got a feel for Charlie. You know, he threw me little bit of everything uh, so I got to see the shape of his pitches give me some perspective on what to look for going forward um, again it's just a lot of talking making myself familiar and catching guys uh, so I've made a little progress there's much more to be made you know I'm still waiting on catching the rest of the guys so yeah just a lot more catching ahead so when you when you dig through these guys or I remember you last time we talked you said you, you kind of pour over some stuff yeah is it pitch shape their motions like what they're like what did you looking for a little bit of everything. Yeah. Um, you know, what kind of sequences they use, what kind of pitch shapes they have, that's pretty easy. Yeah. Um, and then there's just more of like the, the teammate side, how they tick, how can I get them through a tough inning, 
when you know how quickly can I recognize something's off and what's off? Uh, so maybe I can go take a visit and fix it before things get out of control. That's a lot to think about in the first week of spring training. Yeah, thank God I'm not doing that job. No, he he's the right one for it too because like he'll jot down those notes in his notebook, just kind of declutter his mind a little bit while still keeping the information. He, it's funny because I think Matt Olson at Braves Fest said that Murph's like an old soul. Like he, you know, he's you go walk in the clubhouse early morning. He's got his coffee. He's got his crossword. He's he's the quintessential catcher, um, and I think he's really going to fit in well in Atlanta because of that. Uh, but it's it's a lot to take in for him. You know, first he's going to be overwhelmed first couple weeks. You know, in a good way, um, and he'll handle it uh, for sure. He's got the it seems to have the right mindset for it. Um, there's a reason they targeted him and prioritized him so heavily to the point of giving up what they did for him. Um, but yeah, he's, he's got a lot to handle. Um, but Braves fans, I think should be excited. You never know how something's going to go, but there is a reason they targeted Sean Murphy. All right. Coming up, we'll look at uh, why Ian Anderson went to wake force to get some tips for his comeback and why the new Braves play by play, man, maybe the biggest fan on TV. This is the Braves Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. What's so great about being a Kroger Boost member? Free delivery on the Kroger products you love and more rewards too, like double fuel points on everything you buy. Experience a new level of membership, starting as low as $59 a year with Boost by Kroger Plus. Learn more at Kroger.com today. Ocean Breeze. Tropical Beach. An air freshener can make your car smell like paradise. A drive to Daytona Beach will actually get you there. Beach on. Plan your trip today at DaytonaBeach.com. All right, now, as we mentioned, the no media organization is going to send more people to cover the Braves in spring training than us here at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. We've got a whole house rented out in west uh, on the west coast of Florida for the next six weeks. We're going to have five people going down there. So we've got every angle of Brave Spring Training covered because that's the commitment we want to make to serve you, our listeners, our viewers, and our readers. But the only way you can access all that the AJC has to offer from Brave Spring Training is to become a subscriber to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. we got a special offer just for listeners to the podcast going on right now. You can get six months of unlimited digital access for just 99 cents. That is all of our newsletters, our e-paper, all of our stories on AJC.com. So to gain access to this special deal, go to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast. That is subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast. So you always know what's really going on. And I'll be going down there on Friday afternoon. And how much sunscreen do I need to bring? A lot. So for those of you who have never seen me or seen, I don't know why you would have on social media, but I am not pale. I'm pretty tan and I got burned the first day, Jay. Like I got like I, I had a little bit of searing on the top of my, you know, top left of my forehead. And I put on sunscreen mm. on my face. I hate sunscreen. I don't like it, but I do put it on in Florida because you're gonna get torched if you don't for spring training. You're gonna need a lot of it, friend. All right, duly noted. We will uh, we'll juice up and uh, we'll be down there this weekend and we'll be uh, we'll have some special shows coming out here over the next uh, few weeks, but Outside of shortstop, you know, to me, the obviously the Braves' most important position battle is going to be for that last spot in the rotation. And this time last year, and certainly during the 2021 World Series, you'd have gotten pretty good odds if you would have bet that Ian Anderson would be fighting 
for a job right now, but that's where we are. And, and Justin, you had a chance to catch up with him earlier this week to talk about the links that he has taken to fix what broke by going up to Wake Forest and their pitching lab. It was cool. Uh, my agency, they, they sent a few guys there. We um, sent guys that had, you know, okay years trying to figure some things out, including myself. So, um, yeah, I went for two days. First day was like a motion capture bullpen. Okay. Um, so they put, you know, all the dots on you and stuff and um, just kind of let you throw. You know, they don't do much coaching. And then the next day I went back and kind of break it down for you and give you some pliable throws, some other stuff, uh, just kind of feel different exercise you can do to feel some different things and um, kind of break down some data for you and kind of then it's up to you to take it and run so was it beneficial yeah i think so i think so i felt like i was on the right track um just with the work i've been doing uh down here but i think uh i think that kind of you know reinforced some of the stuff that i've been working on with some with some harder data well f- uh, first off why why do big leaguers need to go to winston-salem to find a pitching lab so the wake forest pitching lab um, Wake Forest has kind of become renowned for it. The people who read the AJC last year would remember the story. I guess maybe now you probably don't remember. But from minor league camp, Ryan Cusick, who was traded to the A's in the Olsen deal, and Jared Schuster, who is now kind of the top prospect in the system, depending who you ask or where you look, they went to Wake Forest. And the pitching lab there is for pitchers of all levels. So, yes, they are pitchers there. But everybody, Major League Baseball pitchers, Minor League Baseball pitchers. um, And it's basically, they take biomechanics and they use them to evaluate pitchers. So as Ian was saying, a lot of motion capture and they show you how you move. And basically they study throwing motions. um, And it's good, you know, like to have Ian Anderson there is also good for the school, as beneficial as it is for Ian Anderson. So it benefits both sides. Um, but it, yeah, it's a, another look at you know the biomechanics, which are big in push, pitching nowadays, of how you move, uh, what you're doing, what your body's doing. Um, you know, are are you getting accomplished? What you're trying to accomplish? Could you move more freely? Are there things you could alter? Um, and and for Ian, it was more so, like you said, his agency sent some guys that were trying to figure some things out there. Um, and it's you know the two day thing, and. It's kind of up to you, as he said, to take it and run with it. But it is extra science and it is extra tools. And these days, these guys use a lot of that um, and it's very beneficial for them. So for Ian, it was it really turned out to be a little bit reassuring to, you know, for him to know he was on the right track with things. Um, And he's a guy that, aside from that, has a lot of motivation, Um, you know, and we we talked to him about that, too. And uh you know, he told me, I asked about last season's struggles and if he thinks they could benefit him in the long run. He thinks they will help because, you know, he's not, he told me, he's not trying, that he told himself, he's not trying to be that guy he was before the struggles. He's trying to be better than that guy. He's trying to be better than any Ian Anderson you've seen to this point. We'll see if it happens. Now, moving on to those position players and Eddie Rosario's eye issues have certainly opened the door to more playing time in left field, which is why Kevin Pillar is here. And he's had a solid big league career, but knows there might not be a lot of chances left. A lot of people saw you, you know, get hit in the face there a couple yeah, years yeah. ago, and you've got this thing around you. I think around the game with fans that, like, you're this, you know, you're tough, you play, you're available, you post. How proud are you of that throughout Yeah, I mean, I think that's, like, the thing I'm most proud of. Like, you know... 
I understand what kind of player I am. You know, I wanted to be a, a superstar. Uh, that never happened. But I always tell like people like there's nothing wrong with being a good big league baseball player. You know, it, it pays well. You can do it for a long time. Um, you're in the respect of your teammates and you know the fans that that watch this game. You know, constantly always striving to be the best player I can be. Still feel like you know I could be an all star uh, if everything clicks. But at the end of the day, I I, I do enjoy. Uh, you know, being a guy that, uh, you know, plays the game the right way, that his organization and teammates value. thought that was a pretty uh, pretty honest assessment of himself. Yeah, of course. Um, and I asked him more about that later in the interview, and he was honest. He said, you know, I never – you never let go of that idea that you could be a superstar, and he said – that's why you work hard every offseason. That's why you try to get better. You try to do everything you can to be the best you can be because you never let go of that idea of being a superstar. But he followed that up with, at a certain point, you have to accept yourself. Um, you have to know that there's nothing wrong, like you said, with being a good big league player, that there's a lot of value in that. There's a very a few superstars, a lot of all-stars, and then there's guys who bring a lot of value to their teams. And if you can be one of those guys, it's great. Um, and for him, it's, you know, he, he took the interesting part of this Jay was he only played four games last year with the Dodgers because of injury. You know, when he finally got called up, he was injured in the fourth game and, you know, missed almost the rest of the season with that. But this guy's a guy who's tough. So he was supposed to have a six month rehab for shoulder injuries, uh, six to nine months. He made it back in three and played at the end of the season, um, because he wanted to prove that he was healthy and the Dodgers front office told him he, he might need to go to winter ball to do that. And Kevin Pilar said, you know, I, I want a normal offseason. I want to enjoy the comforts of that. And so he made it back before that and experienced a relatively normal offseason. Um, the reason he went to the Dodgers in the first place, and I thought this was really interesting. He went there in the first place full well knowing that there probably wasn't an opportunity in the big leagues out of spring training. He views it as taking a step back to take, a couple forward um, because with the Dodgers, he felt like they were an organization that can get the most out of you. They've had a track record of getting the most out of guys uh, using whether it's data um, in the analytical side of things or biomechanics, whatever it might be to get the most out of guys and their coaching and their player development. Um, everything fires on kind of all cylinders in that organization. And so he viewed it, you know, even if he wasn't going to have that opportunity at a camp to make the major league roster as, Hey, let let me put myself in that organization to see where I can get better. And they taught him more about his swing and how to move. And they lined up a lot of the data that he also said, you know, was really reassuring. It's, you know, it was comforting to see that he was thinking on the right track and it was just strengthened by hard facts. And when you can see on the software program, your little stick figure moving uh, when you're the batter and, you know, that reassured him that he was, he was thinking the right way. He was doing things the right way. But they taught him how, you know, a little couple things that were missing in his swing, how to tweak them. And then they paired his swing and what he needed to do with his workout regimen and, you know, with the exercises he did and with things he needed to do in order to kind of make him more of this complete package. The good thing, which will be interesting to watch in spring training, is he told me he carried that into the offseason. Sometimes in the offseason, he said, you can lose yourself because you're trying to make changes. You get into some bad habits. You can't carry things over. And then you're doing something completely different and it doesn't work. And then you're lost. 
this offseason, he feels like he carried all those swing changes over um, and is ready. But he really is a guy that if you look at who Alex Anthopoulos has valued and who has performed for the Braves and notably gotten a lot of those bench spots, they're guys like Kevin Pillar, right? You know, tough, hard-nosed, good in the clubhouse, can provide you versatility, have some pop in the bat, but play solid defense. The Braves have really kind of made a living on resurrecting a few of these guys here and there. And I'm wondering if Kevin Pillar, who had a good year for the Mets just two years ago, can't be another one of those guys. Now, we did save the best for last year, I think, because I thought Chip Carey was going to be calling Braves games until he died, but he's off to St. Louis now, going back to what, what actually is his hometown. And uh, Justin, judging by your interview with Brandon Gordon, uh, who's going to be taking over the play-by-play reins on Bally Sports, uh, passion does not like uh, does not sound like it's going to be a problem for Brandon. Yeah, a lot of times, whether this is fair or unfair, broadcasters get the label of kind of being these shiny guys who are robotic and you know they want to do things perfectly. Yada. yada. I talked to Brandon Gordon for about thirty minutes, and he seemed like the most genuine human being you'd ever meet. Uh, And he's really, really grateful for the opportunity. At age seven, I mean, he really started trying to mimic Skip Carey um, and loved watching those Braves games. And he went to the 91 World Series, uh, game five with his aunt and uncle who lived down in Atlanta and still do. I mean, years later, he was at Butler studying, you know, sports journalism and wanted to go into sports broadcasting because of Skip Carey, because of the Braves. This is a guy, Jay, who not only loves the Braves, but literally wanted to do sports broadcasting because of the Braves and because of the Superstation. He was one of, you know, those babies that grew in love, you know, fell in love with the game because of that. Um, And you hear him talk, and it's so passionate about him saying he's got the candy shop. You know, he works in the candy shop, which is sports journalism. And, you know, he's grateful for the opportunity. And he thinks baseball is an opportunity to carry on a nine inning conversation. He wants to make it fun. um, And he wants to bring Braves fans along for the ride. Braves fans, you know, every team's fans criticize the broadcaster more than that specific broadcaster probably deserves to be criticized. But Braves fans can know that with Brandon Godden, this guy loves the team as much as you do. Um, and it was really interesting to hear a lot about how he got the job um, and, you know, who sat in with him. We've got a whole story on that, uh, but a couple notes were his first call when it was announced internally was from Jeff Francoeur. He didn't even have the number. I found this interesting. Alex Anthopoulos was sitting in, you know, when Brandon Godden met the Bally folks and Derek Schiller from the Braves. Alex Anthopoulos was also there and just talked about with Derek Schiller how important the job was and how critical it was for the franchise and for the fan base. Um, So really they, I think they made a great, great hire given that this was so late in the baseball calendar to be hiring. All right, here's a little bit of your conversation with Brandon. So I guess where I would start is you actually put out a couple pretty good Twitter threads already on it, but is, is Braves baseball the reason you wanted to get into broadcasting? Oh yeah. (laughs) hundred percent. That was, that was not only the reason that I fell in love with, Broadcasting. That was also the reason that I just fell in love with baseball and sports in general. And I, and I put it in that thread, but when I was seven years old, my aunt and uncle lived down here. They actually still do, but they had tickets 
a game five of the 91 World Series, and we had the opportunity to come down. And that's right at the time, I think at age seven, where you're you're starting to have impressions upon you and you're starting to understand what sports could be. And so when I walked into the stadium that night, I remember it like it was yesterday. And hook, line, and sinker, I, the Braves won 14-5, and five, and I just I fell in love with Braves baseball. And, you know, for so many kids through the 90s, they developed a relationship with the Braves through the Superstation. And that was me. I mean, I, I watched them every night. I would sneak down from my bedroom when they were on the West Coast trips <laughs> to watch when I should have been in bed. Uh, and, and, and I, I mean, that, 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 that was my team all through the 90s, and we were fortunate to come back in 92 and 95 for those series as well. And and those memories and just the the things that come to mind on a day like today when I hearken back to all those things from my childhood, you, you got to pinch yourself to think that the, the job that you dreamed of when you were seven, and now at 39, 32 years later, you get to fulfill that is, uh, yeah, it's hard to describe. It really is. Do you also, obviously broadcasting doesn't, you know, start out all the time as, as glamorous. And you did minor leagues. You did Georgia. You worked your way up. You did Big Ten Network for seven years. Do all the memories or does all the, the pang of your dues come to mind on a day like this when you see Bally announce you as the new hire? Sure. I mean, you're hit with a wave of emotions. And first and foremost is just the realization of that childhood dream that's that's the first thing that popped in my mind when i got the call that they were going to select me to be the guy and then today when the the news officially hit that that wave kind of rushes over you again but sure i mean i, I also thought about that first job with the ormals in minor league baseball i was making five hundred dollars a month and eating clubhouse peanut butter and jelly and you're taking 13-hour bus trips sitting next to the big starting pitcher who's pitching the next day because you're the smallest guy on the bus and they want to give him the most room so he's leaning over and eating up half your seat. <laughs> um, so you remember all of those things. But I will say this, you know, as someone who grew up loving baseball when I got that first gig in 2006 out of college, like that, I knew that that's what I wanted to do. And so even though the paycheck was small and the bus rides were long and it was 76 games in 80 days. I knew that if I got done with that grind and still loved baseball, that that would kind of tell me that, Hey, this is, you're on the right path here. And, and that was the case. And so I've just never deviated from it. I've, I've always tried to continue to get different, uh, you know, just try to continue to further my career the best that I can and take jobs that seem like the right fit at the right time. And, and when it was announced that Chip was moving on to St. Louis and I was already living in Atlanta, um, it, it was just a no-brainer. Like, yeah, I'm going after that job. That's, that's the one I've wanted since I was a little kid. And here's some of the list of jobs that Brandon Gordon uh, has had and, ha- and currently has. Uh, he was the voice of the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. And he does Fox NFL football. Now he's the voice of the Braves, and he's the voice of the Madden NFL video game. That's not too bad. No, and it was it was almost rather cathartic. No, I'm only joking. But to tell Brandon on the phone that I I actually first heard him when I was younger playing Madden. And he was like yep. the new commentator when they moved away from Jim Nance. Like he was the new voice of Madden NFL games. Um so no, that was cool, but it's really cool to hear him talk about, you know, of course, 
the long bus rides and the clubhouse PB and J sandwiches. And, you know, he wasn't making a lot of money, but he is right. And this is true for anything. If you love it enough, you it won't feel as much like work. And I think you'll feel carried through, you know, those tough times or maybe the less glamorous lifestyle of it. And he's right with baseball. If you can handle that, that minor league grind, it's probably all up from there. You really, really love baseball. Um, And he does. And I think it was cool for him. He's got an older sister and two older brothers and then his two parents. I think it was really, really special for him um, from what he told me to give them the call. After he received the call and was pretty speechless for about five seconds there before he mouthed something like he mouthed, wow, he didn't even say it out loud. He mouthed it. And then to give his family those calls, the ones who knew you know, everything about his story and that this is everything he's ever wanted to do um, was really, really cool to hear. And it was, of course, very emotional for him. But he's got a great resume and he already lives, you know, he lives in Atlanta. He has since he took that Georgia Tech job. It feels like home for him now. Um, he's from Evansville, Indiana. But and even though he's from Indiana, so don't let any of his Indiana friends hear this. But he said that. You know, he, he loves basketball. He's from Indiana, but baseball just provides that canvas to tell stories. Um, and he feels like he's a storyteller and it gives you that opportunity to hold a conversation for nine innings to bring viewers inside the booth to make them feel like you're sitting right next to, you know, the broadcasters. And I think he's going to be really, really good for Braves fans because he is one. Uh, and this is his dream job. There is nowhere he would rather be than this job right now. Well, congratulations, Brandon. And uh, one final thing here before we go. Am I the only one that's excited about the extra innings rule being permanent? Anybody? Anytime I ever say I'm excited about it, people say that's because I covered the games and that I want to go home earlier. That's not always the case. It adds some excitement, but I do think you could have compromised and done it in the 11th or the 12th instead of the 10th. But, eh, Whatever, as long as you're not affecting ERAs. I mean, I think it speeds things up, keeps things interesting. I mean, it's, I don't know. I mean, it's not, you know, you're not there for 18, 19 innings. If there are some people who like that, they are, you know, an even sicker breed than we thought. Uh, but, I mean, <laughs> that one's polarizing. I, I like, I don't mind it too much, but I do see why some players hate it. Front office likes it because, um, you know, front offices around baseball, I would assume, because, it means they don't have to thin their pitching staffs, you know, over a 15 inning game that, you know, if you lose anyway, you're you're kind of shot. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think it, it it needed to stay. It's working too well. All right. So that's where we will uh, put a pin in this one because I got a pack because I'm heading down there tomorrow and uh, we will uh, have our next Braves report boots on the ground from uh, Florida on Monday. Wow. Boots on the ground. I mean, that's, uh, yeah, all thanks to, you know, subscribers. That's how we can do this, how we can get all these interviews, how we can be here. Um, you heard a lot of sound today, and you should expect a lot more of that because, I mean, Jay, I know Jay and I, we ate at Fox Brothers. We're going to take you a little behind the curtain. We ate at Fox Brothers a couple weeks ago. We always talk about the direction of this show and where we want it to go. Um, and as much as we want to inform and as much as we want to analyze the occurrences, you know, around this ball club, baseball and sports in general are about the stories and the people involved in them. Uh, and that's more than anything, what we're trying to bring you on this podcast through the analysis, through the information. So thanks for helping us get there. Keep with us. And there'll be plenty more where that came from. Right, partner. 
Uh, we'll, we'll have, we will have to discuss at our next uh, dinner. Uh, you know, you broke the first rule of the podcast. No free ads. Oh, gosh. It might have been Box Brothers. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> well, on that note, please, for more entertainment like that, uh, please rate, review, follow, and uh, share the show, and we will see you again on Monday on the Braves Report for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. When you're looking for leading cardiac treatment, look to Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with five emergency cardiac care centers, so we're here when you need us most. We lead with more than 55 locations in Georgia. That means we're always in the heart of your neighborhood. We lead with clarity, because clear direction is better when it comes to understanding every step of your treatment. Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with heart. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or, better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on.